0: You're listening to Get to Know World of Warships, a podcast created by Bogsy and Sinpax. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Get to Know World of Warships. I, of course, am your host, Bogsy, here, of course, with my co-host, Borla. Hello, Borla. Hey, Bogsy. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you, man, but uh, I'm exhausted. So I think this time we should not have a guest. We should just be our own guests. We should talk about whatever's on our minds today. What do you think?
1: Is this like when people say they're not having any friends over to play, and they have their imaginary friends, and the real thing is they have no friends?
0: I think that's exactly what it is. It's also called improv. Um, it,
1: that's a, that's an actor term. Did you know I was an actor? I've heard rumors. Um, our mutual friend Late Light did not realize that I considered you dashingly handsome until today. He and I exchanged a few DMs, Who's, who's Late Light? He, he slid, he slid into my DMs today um I'm, I'm i don't so think he'll ever hear this since he refuses to listen to the podcast but i do think i'm going to continue to slip trolls in against late light until he does i think so too i think he's
0: going to go back he's going to listen
1: to all of them he's going to realize just how much we actually like him well you know the other thing i didn't mention this to you i do not believe but i've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the lala episode oh yeah talked to him about yeah i've had several people talk to me and i had you know i haven't been playing the mikasa games every morning like i used to now that the flags you can't farm them yeah, but i've still been flags. playing a few and yeah, it's disappointing but you know war games got to make their money i guess um i had a guy i dropped into my mikasa game he was in his mikasa uh it was sp gilboy and In all chat, as soon as I drop in, morning coffee, I guess, huh, Borla? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, obviously, a fan of the podcast, it's nice to get those shout-outs Yeah. By the way, we really, both of us, both
0: Borla and I really do like when you guys tell us in in game chat, you know, that that you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it. Um, That always feels good for us. And furthermore, it is especially fun when a private joke that only a listener would know comes out. Those are... Does always put a smile on our faces so keep it up fellas um well so let's see i mean i, I sort of felt like there would be plenty to talk about in terms of the dev blog because there's been quite a bit of dev blog news going on there's some major changes coming into the game clan battle season 13 is underway now and um uh yeah i mean let's just uh you feel like just having a, a chat of the state of the game yeah absolutely well, what do you want to start with Let's, talk, let's start with clan battles. Like, I've been putting a lot of work into clan battles myself. Um, you know, my clan, TNG, obviously, we've been... I want to say that we've been hitting our stride and doing well now, where we've got both ratings about ready to pop into Typhoon, which is exactly... It's, I think it's a day ahead of where we had projected we wanted to be. So um, we're feeling good about that. And uh, we've got some news, like the Pavlovsk was restricted as of this last week which changes the meta up a little bit, so, um... Everyone was so surprised that happened. I was the most surprised myself. Uh, To be completely honest with you, I was expecting them to... Well, not expecting. I was hoping that they would just limit the FDR to one per game. The FDR? Yeah, just, you know, one per side. I I think that might be... uh,
1: you meant the Petro, not the FDR. No, right? I
0: meant the F D R. It was just a terrible joke. Never mind. <laughs> I was really hoping they would just restrict the F D R so you couldn't actually use it. Um unfortunately that's not the case. I hate the F D R with every ounce of anger in my tiny sub three foot frame body, according to Late Light. Um
1: uh, I, yeah, I, I, just hate I, I just hate it. I, I'm not a fan yeah, I'm not a fan of the F D R and in general, and in clan battles I just think it's I don't know. It's too easy to be abused by people. The fact that the planes simply do not die, you can permaspot the DD. And and in randoms, you do that and you don't always have a coordinated attack. In clan battles, at least on any decent level of clan battles, as soon as you spot something and you have a nice coordinated attack, it just makes that spotting so much more powerful than Mm -hmm. it is in randoms. Um, I was kind of glad that they didn't wait two full weeks on the Petro. uh, As I was kind of joking about earlier, nobody was surprised that that got limited. Here's my question for you. We saw in COTS that the Petro was the ban globally by a massive, massive margin. Right. Immediately, Petro was limited to one. At what point do you simply rebalance the ship itself? I mean, are we just going to start <laughs> taking it out of everything, or do you know what's like, funny? If, I've, I've, yeah, I, when's the last when's the last ship that we saw that was this imbalanced for competitive and was just basically? I know it had a few little things done to it, but it's still so strong. I mean, there was well, I suppose that's a good
0: question because I think that there's the, the, the I think that Petro stands in it alone in and of itself. So last season, the Tier Nine season, the Mogador obviously was so good they had to restrict it to one side. Right, um, like the Petro did. That seems to be their fix-all, their band-aid for when something is, is just too good on its own. Um, then they had the previous season was uh, a tier 10 season. I don't think they made any limits, right?
1: No, last season was the first time they introduced those.
0: Yeah, and so the Petro just sort of reigned supreme, although ultimately, you know, there was a counter. Uh, l- season 11, we did find that the Goliath, the Goliath especially teamed up with a Thunderer, really, really works well against Petropavlovsk's the uh the fact that the Goliath without IFHE is able to pen 50 millimeters of armor means they can pen the Petropavlovsk anywhere the Thunderer is really accurate that season also had Deadeye I believe right didn't it
1: no no No?
0: oh Jesus that was pre-Deadeye okay yeah
1: um yeah I mean was that the season that wasn't the season when the uh battleship turrets were broken that was the tier 8 season wasn't it when were the remember oh, when the question. battleship turrets no, were no, broken? No, no, that was that was season eleven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what that's another thing that really helped battleships.
0: Yeah, that was that was a big thing. But that was
1: amazing. I
0: loved that. I know it was kind of great. Like uh, Yamatos felt dirty, super dirty. The Kremlin and the Ohio two that already have really fast. I was playing rates. a lot of yeah, I was yeah. playing a lot of Kremlin <laughs>
1: that clan battle season yeah, and was it crazy. was phenomenal. Yeah. So but, so yeah, go ahead. Well, was, so let me ask you this: the Petro thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Goliaths, which are a good counter. Mm-hmm. We are actually statistically seeing—and this is my clan—seeing more Goliaths now than we are Petros. Oh week yeah, two hundred percent. Week two, more. Are you guys seeing the same thing? Yes, more Goliaths and more Venetsias. and we're even starting to
0: see lots of uh, uh, Nebskis, which I think is because there's there's really not any high velocity over uh, high velocity advanced pen angle ap shells coming in from cruisers now because again stalingrad and moscow are just not well moscow doesn't have the advanced pen angles but does have high velocity you know high velocity 220 millimeter ap shells stalingrad's suboptimal because it just it just gets wrecked by Venetias, it gets wrecked by goliaths it gets wrecked by carriers it's just it's still suboptimal as long as there's a carrier in the game in my opinion that's my opinion
1: but yeah, yeah, we're we're seeing almost no Moskvas. We are seeing some Stalingrads, but way more Petros, Goliaths, Venetias and, and more Goliaths than anything. Yes, lots of Goliaths and lots of Venetias are what we're seeing. So I will say this.
0: There was to me this sort of interesting rock, paper, scissors dynamic that was going on in clan battles between the Venetia, the Goliath and the Petro. The way we sort of a- an analyzed it, the Pavlovsk counters the Venezia because of the advanced pen angles, because of the resilient armor, um, it's able to just basically bow in and tank a Venezia all day long. Then you've got the Goliath, which beats the Petro, almost hands down. Super heal, good gun angles, heavy HE that actually pens the deck of the Goliath, or sorry, of the Petro, um... It pretty much does all of that, and since the petros aren't usually mobile, they're usually bow in and just tanking. You don't really have to worry about the floaty shells of the goliath, but the Venetia kicks the crap out of the goliath because the Venetia can pen the thirty mil sides of the um, of the goliath very easily with sap. It uh, can dodge the, you know, it can dodge the floaty shells of the goliath extraordinarily well. So there seemed to be this interesting and. I dare say, somewhat balanced Rock, Paper, Scissors dynamic going on between the three. Um, I think it was still overall too easy to bring Mass, Petro, and do well. <laughs> you know, like, that one's still overperformed. Especially at low tiers, or sorry, not low tiers, but lower leagues, where maybe folks don't really know how to counter that stuff properly. It's, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just so good that it just outperforms because it's easy. Um,
1: Yeah, I think what happens when you limit the Petros, and you make the Goliath, the Venezia, or to some extent the Nevsky really meaningful, is you raise the skill floor necessary to perform well. I mean, that's what you do, right? Because Petro has by far the lowest skill floor, so it's easier for inexperienced players to survive in and and it's easier for teams that may not have a really good strategy or map positioning or coordination to still bring so much health and and win Mm -hmm. um but when you start getting Goliath and venetius especially and nevsky to some point too like if if a battleship gets a good angle on them there's things that can be done to counter them much easier than a petro so for those to succeed then you raise the floor on map positioning on you know health management when you like goliath super heal is awesome there's definitely a skill with maximizing that heal mm-hmm. and using it at the right time that petro you don't have all of those nuances to manage things
0: yeah that's true i mean it's just it's not as easy to play a goliath well as it is to play a Petro, well, I would even arguably say that it's easier to play a Petro than a Venezia, although I think Venezia is easier to play than Goliath is, so, you know, it, I actually do approve of the fact that there is that at least three cruiser dynamic, I would really prefer more, but, you know, Moskva's, Moskva's Citadel's too high, it's just too high, and it's 150 mils, and it's, it just gets wrecked, and it's not mobile enough, so, um, you know, it just gets rocked by carriers and by any sort of flanking thing. Um, yeah, we're running into almost no mosques. Yeah, we, we get we get some of them here and there, but for the most part, it's for the most part, it's 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 not really a thing. But uh,
1: I, I wish there was diversity with battleships more too. Like it's basically yeah. Ohio and Montana is what we're seeing. A little bit of thunder, um, the range limitations are do you have an effect with the thunder um but i and i say that because the ohio is not one of my favorite battleships to play and that's usually what i get stuck in uh-huh. uh, is playing ohio i think i think we're gonna do some montana here coming up and i enjoy that a little more it's not one of my favorite ones but the mm-hmm. both of their ability to tank and you know to survive under the onslaught of planes and he and everything else it just kind of makes them the go-to battleships for most strats
0: i yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I actually it's funny you mentioned Montana. I have not been seeing Montana's at all. Um, I've been seeing well, maybe it it might just be with you know our matchmaking, but we've been seeing mostly thunderers and not joking Columbos. We've been seeing lots of Columbos and not from like <laughs> not from
1: bad teams from good teams I was good to say yeah. i was gonna say uh one of our dibs is running colombo yeah <laughs> so it's probably them you're running into but we know our for us montana is the second most you know, like ohio we're running into ohio about a third of the time and we're running into montana about a sixth of the time that's the those are the two battleships we're seeing most often ohio montana and then thunder is a, a far cry third mm-hmm. and then everything else is is really low but yeah, our guys, you know, the, the folks with uh, Storm and Torino and Cowboy and those guys are running Columbo and I mm-hmm. think Torino's been running it and I had a chat with him the other day. He really enjoys what it can do. I think for a lot of traditional battleship players, it's not their favorite because of the way the guns are. You know, yeah. you'd rather have a really accurate battleship, but some of the, for the strat that we're using in that division, it it's a really nice tool for them and I know they're having fun with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's the big thing, too. It's like every Battleship player has sort of got their thing, you know? Some like the really, really accurate, some like the uh, you know, the good HE, some like just the punchy, extraordinarily heavy throw weight of AP, like Vermont, you know? And they go, I don't care if I can't hit anything with it because of the aim. I just like having, you know, I like throwing a truck every time <laughs> at somebody. Yeah, it's like, fair enough, man, okay. Uh, but, you know, I for us, at least, it comes down to consistency, and we've we've still found the Thunderer to be just the most consistent for all the things that we need across the stuff we're likely to see. You know, the fact that it pens everything with HE, it's great. The fact it still has very accurate AP in the form of eighteen-inch you know guns, it just works. The, the good main reload too. Are, yeah, good reload. The uh, this is not a joke, by the way, because of the fact that the range was reduced twenty-one mil, uh, millimeters, twenty-one uh, kilometers we actually have been running range mod on it so that did indirectly nerf its reload um which it's still i think 28 even without even without maybe it's 26 i can't remember exactly but
1: well and i think especially as you get higher up in the leagues and in previous cyclone seasons it was clear that the frequency of cyclones increased the higher you got in Mm -hmm. the leagues so if that continues to happen, uh, I would say anecdotal. We have a small sample set since Cyclones were off the first week, but I would say that's still happening. Uh, the reload is important in the Cyclone, I think, because ships pop up that weren't there before and you want to have your guns loaded. The quick rudder turn mm-hmm. allows you to help turn, you know, ship battleships, however the guns turn, whatever speed the turrets turn, I also feel... The rudder speed is important because you're going to be turning helping your guns turn with the rudder speed when you're able to um you know so the combination of having that quick rudder the the quick reload i think is more important in cyclones than it is in maps without cyclones and the range then becomes less of a factor if you're in a cyclone because you're not going to be shooting across the map anyway that's true
0: yeah and that's the big thing about cyclone too it's like the cyclone essentially renders a range mod on a thunder irrelevant. So what do you do? Do you take the reload and get that sweet sweet reload and count on a cyclone or do you do you not? You take the range and you
1: pray for the opportunity to cross map stuff. I think as if it plays out the same way it did before, once you get into the top half of typhoon or typhoon 1 into hurricane, you're getting you know, if you get cyclone 70-80% or more, which I think was the case somewhere mm-hmm. around eighty-five percent towards the end of when we were in hurricane last time. Then you just always take the reload because you count on it. Like the rule is, if it's if it's effective more than eighty percent of the time, you don't base things on the twenty percent, right?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. <clears throat> Unless it's of course car accidents and wearing a seatbelt. Then yeah, you wear where this you wear the seatbelt. i wear it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this I don't, is not I don't, this is not like buckle up or don't buckle up, but, but it's yeah. Boy, statistically speaking, I'm gonna get into a car accident point one percent of the time that I get into my car. So why would I why would I wear a seatbelt for the point one percent? Hmm?
1: Well, I mean there are people who live their life that way. I Yeah,
0: those people are YOLO called, bro, YOLO. They're called organ donors, right? Uh, that's what my dad used to call kids who didn't wear helmets on their bicycles. He'd call them organ donors. And then my four-year-old sister at the time
1: started picking that up. And my stepmom was like, you have to stop saying that. Having cracked open a motorcycle helmet before, I am very much an advocate for wearing them. You cracked here. open it's a not...
0: motorcycle helmet? Holy shit.
1: You know what? Sometime you and I have talked about doing a non-warships podcast. hmm We should do that sometime soon, and I will tell the story of how I was on my Harley and cracked open my helmet against the pavement and got up and walked away.
0: Okay, that's you you got yourself a deal there, buddy. You tell the story of uh, cracking open a helmet on your motorcycle. I'll tell the story of uh, me... I I studied in Europe for two months in uh, 2007, and... I spent a month after that traveling through France, Switzerland, and Italy, and in the last week I was supposed to meet my dad and my stepmom and my sister in Florence, Italy. And my dad is notoriously bad at planning things out, so basically he didn't give me the address where they were going to be staying. Even after I canceled my own hostel, and I was like, "He's like, no, 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 don't stay with us. Stay with us at our apartment that we're going to rent." And I was like, "Okay, but you have to send me the address." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll get that read out to you." Never did. So I showed up in Florence with no place to stay, and no way of contacting them because I didn't, I didn't have his phone number. Two thousand seven, you didn't have cell phones that were international like you do now. Or yeah, not and as I, easily I, accessible. I screwed up because I copied. I mean, I'll tell a story then, but like I screwed up and I wrote down his office phone number. But I didn't think, oh, his office phone number is not going to forward to his cell phone in Europe. So I didn't write down his actual cell phone number. I wrote down the office number that always forwards. That was my mistake. But
1: And anyway. those of you who are listening and do not have a pad- podcast of your own, that is called a teaser.
0: It is called a teaser, in fact. And I will tell, spoiler alert, I did find them. I actually managed to hunt down my family in Florence, Italy, over the course of about eight and a half hours without any way of contacting them. Uh, it's All right. Yeah, it's Almost one of the proudest we'll things I've ever done. We'll
1: story time sometime soon.
0: Yeah, we'll do story time on another podcast. Uh, Borla cracking open a helmet and Bogsy traveling the streets of Florence like an urchin.
1: <laughs> okay, so... So so, what do you think about the new submarine specs that were released? Uh, I think it was yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was yesterday on the dev blog. Uh, those of you who don't know it, blog.worldofwarships.com. It's the dev blog. It's where... Half the shit we talk about gets posted. So, the last stage of testing was autumn of 2020 when they did that. It was fall 2020, and they had a little, like... It wasn't a public... It wasn't a separate server for submarines, but it was just a separate game mode where you could play tier 6 submarines. And then a couple of, you know, suckers would load in in their New Mexico's (laughs) and just get wrecked by submarines. Um, But... This time around, they've already mentioned that they're going to put submarines into Ranked. Now, I've heard lots of people, you know, spam lots of unflattering emotes at this idea, but I actually am going to be controversial and say I think it's a great idea, because we as a community have a tendency of of accusing Wargaming of not properly testing and vetting their new shit, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we are all spoiled little dickheads about that, but... Then, you know, the problem is they set up a, hey, come test submarines in this tier six thing. And people are like, nah, there are no rewards. I don't want to test it. There's no incentive to test it other than, you know, like, what's what's your incentive to take a cruiser or a battleship into that when there was really no
1: counterplay for you? It's just, hey. So, so as somebody who has played this game for nearly six years mm-hmm. and has been pretty involved in the game, right, especially the last four or so, I also do some CST testing with our clan. Mm-hmm. I believe I have done the public test server one time and I did it and I'm like exactly what you said like I don't want to spend time doing this because the rewards are not good enough like I don't feel the incentive to do it right. And I guess that makes me part of the problem of things not being tested well but I also yeah. would argue that the setup of having to download stuff and be on a separate server and all that other those other things are the real root of why we didn't get good testing with many things.
0: It's a number of things. Um, that could be one of them for sure. Uh, so they're, they're going to do another round of testing for submarines. And this time, I'm actually pleased with some of the things they've decided. They've sort of overhauled submarines almost entirely. Um, as you may recall... <clears throat> The previous iteration of Submarines had what we call battery life. The battery life was the second stage of the first part, which was oxygen level. And the oxygen level was basically, it, all of it's just a, a game function to limit a submarine from staying underwater forever. Um, that was the thing. Because it's like, hey, if, if someone just stays underwater forever, then they grief you, you can never find them, and you can't kill them, and they just drag every single game out to 20 minutes. Just because uh, trolls exist on the internet, apparently, so they've replaced that uh, that functionality with dive capacity. Dive capacity is literally just a finite meter of how long you can stay underwater. Um, It's ten minutes is what they're gonna test first, and it sounds to me that it sounds to me like there will be things that actually cause that to drain even faster. So there are more ways of interacting with a sub's ability to dive. Um, all of that to me just says, hey, they're trying to create reasons to be on the surface for a submarine. That's good, I would argue. Um, I agree. Uh, yep. Yeah. So here's what it says. While a submarine is detected underwater or at periscope depth, dive capacity will deplete faster. So if you have hydro and you hydro a sub but it's at its maximum depth and you have literally no way of interacting with it, you are still technically interacting with it by quickly depleting its ability to stay underwater permanently. That to me is, you know, as soon as I hear the word permanently, I go, okay, there's something here because this really does allow, you know, even if you can't damage it, you are technically draining one of its resources. It's almost sort of like airplane resources from a CV. It's like, sure, It still got through with its planes and struck you. That sucks, we all know that. But as long as planes are being shot down, technically the carrier is losing its ability to influence the map over time. Uh, I'm not trying to say that it's it's in a fine state or anything like that, but uh, at least there is some interactivity.
1: Yeah, and I think the fact that you're unable to regenerate dive capacity, I think what they're saying is it'll vary based on nation and tier, but roughly 10 minutes there's going to be people who use it all up too soon. That's going to be a skill people are going to have to manage Mm -hmm. is the amount of dive capacity they have left. If there's been a lot of people throw out the idea that, Hey, subs are going to spend the first part of the match going to the back of the map. And then they're going to snipe all of the battleships and carriers, and they're going to be indetectable. I think this will limit that because if they stay under the surface they're only going to be able to do it for a limited amount of time. So mm-hmm. I kind of how you started out, I believe I, I'm, you know, when you started talking about subs, I'm, I'm against subs. I don't like the idea of them. I think there's enough balance issues in the game already. I do not think subs are a positive for the game. I'm also a realist and know that they're going to be shoved into the game, whether we mm-hmm. like it or not. Yep. And I, and I think that this dive capacity idea is one of the better ones that I've seen them talk about as far as managing the huge factor of the subs stealth. Because one of the underrated things in this game, to I guess casual players probably is, and sometimes wargaming doesn't balance well on this, is vision. Right? That's mm-hmm. most people's complain about CVs is the vision. If, if they would do something about the vision that they give... We see Wargaming... We talked about the Cyclones four or five minutes ago. Yeah. Does anybody believe that's anything but a way to artificially limit CV vision? Like, like that's got to be 70-80% of why they put Cyclones in high-level clan battles. I would argue
0: it's the only reason they did it. It's just so that yeah. CVs cannot arbitrarily spot... Um, everything all the time everything all the time and then have it honestly because they put that in season 11 I think that was specifically uh, to ca- to counteract the fact that in season 9 when carriers were first introduced after the rework you know the meta turned into Stalingrad's with range mod shooting almost as soon as the game starts At shit, just trying to get in position, and then you've got Venezia's to counteract the fact that they can dodge Stalingrad shells, they can disappear when they want, and they can also return fire with range mod and spider plane, they can return fire at the same
1: range. Um, Yeah, so so I guess vision is going to be a huge issue with subs as far as how far away you can see them, when you can see them, when they can drop detect, this dive capacity thing might be the best case scenario for mm -hmm. how to manage that. And, you know, like I said, late game, when it's most important to see stuff, I, we're going to see a lot, of, a lot of sub players, I think, that are have run out of their dive capacity. And yep. then circling back to what you started with, with testing, again, I don't want subs. <laughs> them testing them in ranked is probably the best way to get realistic data because yeah. they're going to get uh, human players on both sides. They're going to get a huge cross-section of the skill set of players in the game. Yep, It's not going to be just the most engaged or the most skilled players. You're going to have some of those players because those guys do play ranked. But you're also going to catch the lower-end players. Uh, If if you want to see them, you can pop into Bronze League at any time and take a look at what's going on. And you'll see you're getting the much more casual, non-competitive guys in there. They'll be playing them. I think it's the best option that Wargaming has to test this.
0: I'm inclined to agree. So I think that what we all need to do as players in this game is we sort of need to take a deep breath, put on our big boy pants, and say, that's fine. We're just going to let the ranked season of submarines happen to us because we all complain about they don't test things. And I I have a complaint about that, by the way. We all complain they don't test things and they release things before they're ready. But the problem is, is when they set up these testing things for us, we don't fucking do it. And you have to do it, otherwise you can't complain. And like, I don't want to download the the public test server. I don't want to do that. Because there's no incentive for me to do that. I want to be grinding things that I'm grinding, or, you know, what have you. I don't want to be just playing around just for the sake of testing something that's not... Unless it's really distinctly different. If If subs were specifically on a public test server, I might, I might do that just to be like, hey, I want to see how these are, but I don't, I don't want to go to all that trouble and then play games that don't get tracked and don't have rewards. So
1: maybe I think that's no. I think you're right because the reason I don't spend time doing that is because there are so many grinds in the game that if you're taking your time to play and you're not grinding away at something, you're falling behind at right. either research points or steel or coal or free XP or and you know the different events and directives we have with each new ship line that's released and all of those special events um, I'm somebody who doesn't complete everything but I complete most things and I get I have every single resource ship of every type and so I couldn't do that unless I either wanted to throw an even higher amount of money into this game. Or if I, you know, if I did public test server, that's time that I can't be regrinding a line for Research Bureau points.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's just the reality of if you want to test something, there has to be a resource attached to it so that you can somehow benefit from it in some way. I mean, that's that's what alpha and beta test rewards are for. You know, the old Arkansas B or the Iwaki or these Iwaki things. Alpha. Yeah. You know, those are what those are for. It's a little it's a little reward to say, hey. Yucky what I did. Um, So uh, another thing about it is that uh, they're they're sort of changing the the purpose of what submarines are for. For those of you who did actually play submarines in the first iteration, you might recall that the pings that you'd send out would cause the uh, torpedoes to home and track, and then once that happened, if you hit both ends of the of the battleship or whatever you were facing at, it would actually the torpedoes would home and they would ignore. They would citadel and ignore torpedo reduction. So battleships just got absolutely curb stomped by uh, by torpedoes from submarines. They're changing that. And I don't know exactly how this is going to work. I only have what they're saying here, but... Um, For previous tests, the playstyle of submarines was similar to that of stealthy torpedo-focused destroyers. Now, in order to ensure a unique type of gameplay for the new class, we've changed the main target for submarines. For a significant part of each battle, the underwater hunters will be fighting the very classes that have the best tools to confront them, destroyers and cruisers. And from what we've read, that sort of looks like um, the torpedoes are going to be easier to hit maneuverable targets... And the damage done by torpedoes is now lower overall, but they do more module damage, which is interesting. Um, a destroyer that loses a module, it has, a, in my opinion, it has a much greater effect than a battleship that loses a module. Um, and uh, yeah,
1: most of the time, because the rudder and the engine almost never go out in battleships. If you lose something, I guess the rudder does if you get a torpedo, mm-hmm. but you know, if you lose a, a main battery that definitely impacts your dpm but it's not as much of a death knell on your ship as losing the engine or the rudder and destroyer that's spotted right so I, I agree i agree with what you're saying and i do think the ability for to make it more difficult what, what they're doing is they're making it more difficult like we talked about between this and the dive capacity thing more difficult to sneak around the back and go take out the battleships and the carriers that everybody was afraid was going to be mm-hmm. the sole focus of many submarine players. Um, hey man, get the carrier. That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I think th- I think being able to see where the ping comes from, the direction, you know, it's going to be something similar to radio location. Yeah, that'll that'll be make it more engaging as well.
0: Even if they can't be hit, it still lets them know. It lets the target know where the sub is, effectively. Like, in what direction the sub is coming from. Um, I think that's something worthwhile. Also, the when the pings actually do hit, they don't ignore torpedo damage, torpedo protection anymore. Battleships, which are arguably the easiest to hit, will have increased protection. I think that's good. Um, uh, for people who recall how difficult it could be to aim the actual pings, the sonar pings, at, at ships the camera will now actually follow the target the same way guns do so that you don't have to be, as something is turning or speeding up, you don't have to also be arbitrarily increasing it. It'll sort of do it automatically. So I think that's actually okay. Um, They're making it easier to land torpedoes, but the torpedoes do less. To me, this actually sounds a lot like artillery in World of Tanks. Um, I always like to compare CVs to artillery, but it's a little bit different. To me now, this seems like, hey, the main function of a, of a submarine isn't to do a whole lot of damage. It's to sort of cripple and incapacitate something for something else to kill it. Um, that I'm more I mean, okay essentially with.
1: Essentially, what they're doing is they're taking, you know, we're like... Uh four-year-olds and they're taking the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli that we hate and we want to throw on the floor and they're putting like some Velveeta cheese over the top of it and some salt (laughs) and saying this is going to be shoved down your throat one way or another we're going to make it a tiny bit more palatable yeah you like cheese
0: right you like Velveeta? yes give me your Velveeta.
1: i mean when you're four that's what that's what parents
0: do right yeah well finally i think the, the last thing to really mention about it is that the subs' secondary guns will fire SAP. That's
1: that sells it for me. Done. Do you, do you think we're going to be able to get secondary build submarines? I mean, I hope so. I Maybe hope that that's why they did the captain's rework and made separate for separate skill trees because they knew there would be somebody who would do a secondary build submarine oh, and they wanted God. to take that away before they. Could
0: I be mean, wasted. historically speaking, like some submarines had you know one or two deck guns. They had like a couple of the German submarines had like eighty-eight mil guns. Um, they had German 88s just strapped to the top they were constantly covered in barnacles probably from being underwater but um, I mean <laughs> I think it's just going to be a meme really I think that every once in a while you're going to see an interaction between a destroyer and a sub at, at surface level and just man that sub is just going to be I wish I had a gun just to make me feel as though I had a chance but really I think those deck guns on the subs are just going to be highlight real
1: material so let me ask you this: Do you have 77 dollars and 20 cents laying around?
0: Uh I think Bree does. I could probably I could probably take that. Do why? you
1: have a Friesland? I do have a Friesland. Do you want a second Friesland? No, why would I want a second Friesland? I mean, if you wanted a second Friesland, you'd have to steal $77.20 from Bree, because that's what we're going to get. Yeah, that would put my relationship at risk. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get, you heard that yesterday, today a second Friesland and it's going to be sold in the armory for 19,300 doubloons which yep. for those of you in the United States that buy doubloons with American money is $77.20 what do you think about that box uh,
0: you know I'm, I'm a little back and forth on it but overall I'm like why stop it the, um, the whole reason they're doing this you guys is because originally and they mentioned this in the dev blog blogspot <laughs> blog.worldofwarships.com um, they mentioned specifically I'm just going to read it In update 10.6, a new nation, Netherlands, will appear together with its first branch of early access ships, cruisers. In update 10.7, the Netherlands tech tree will feature Groningen, a complete analog of Friesland. I like how they said that. A complete analog of Friesland. She will be available for. At least they threw it right out there. I know. She will be available for 1 million free XP, as well as in the armory for 19,300 balloons. Do the math, the Borla just did for you. 77 something something. Initially, it was planned to transfer Friesland to the Dutch tech tree as historically she was in service with the oh jesus christ
1: let me call Torino he'll tell us how to
0: pronounce all these Koninklijke Marine Marina the Royal Netherlands Navy however having analyzed the feedback having analyzed the feedback and possible options of replacing and transferring the commander assigned to Friesland we decided to leave her as a european ship Thus, players who own Friesland will be will be able to enter battles with familiar commanders that were trained particularly for Friesland, and if they want, they will have an opportunity to purchase the new Grungingen. Did you give Wait, feedback? Who, who, did, who did you give your feedback to? I didn't give any feedback, because I didn't know that it was
1: something necessary for feedback, actually. Did you give feedback? Uh, nobody asked me for my opinion of this, and I have a strong suspicion that if they had asked, it wouldn't have been listened to. I... I, uh, I think this feedback was from the accounting department
0: saying, "Why would you possibly pass up the opportunity to make a hundred dollars?" Why, well, yeah?
1: Why not copy and paste a ship if we can copy and paste a ship? Exactly. So well, and here's here. So here's one of the things I've mentioned it a couple of times, and I do have to credit Torino for mentioning it to me directly and putting it in so many words. But every now and then, wargaming needs to let us think we, we're getting away with something right yes you know a lot of us put a lot of time and money into this game have put a lot of time and money in this game we enjoy this game like you and i do this podcast this is how many episodes we'll talk a little bit later about your uh, content creating career this but... is 83 <laughs> okay so you've put in roughly 80 of those i think synpax did a solo one or two i did a solo one but like you know hours and hours of this and it's Aside from being recognized in-game by nice people who shout out how they enjoy that they're playing their Mikasa and drinking their coffee with me in the morning. Um, we do this because we like the game, right? We enjoy the game. We enjoy the community. You and I have fun. This is. We hope the people listening benefit from it and they enjoy it. But we do it because we like to do it. So right. it would be nice if every now and then there was like, we're going to be benevolent. We know that you have a Friesland, and we were going to be putting the keeping that in the EU tree. But now that we've come up with uh, Dutch cruisers, we're going to have Dutch destroyers. Right. Here, if you've bought the Friesland and you have the commander or even the special commander, we're going to allow it to transfer between the two. So, or. We're gonna we're gonna give you the copy of that ship if you've spent money or free XP or however you earned the Friesland or the commander.
0: So I actually have someone who could weigh on this right now. Um Brianna, would you like to spend seventy seven dollars on a carbon copy of the Friesland? No thank you. There, you heard it from her. You heard it right there. She's happy with her Friesland. She'd probably like it d- to d- be... Does she know her.
1: that we were conspiring to steal the seventy seven dollars and twenty cents from her? Hey that? hun, did you
0: were you aware that we were considering stealing $77.30 from you just so that we could buy a carbon copy of a ship we already have? What? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to get it tonight, fellas. I'm going to be in big trouble. Not yeah, the good right. kind of get it either. Um, that's my girlfriend, Brianna, by the way, for those of you who don't watch my stream. You should watch my stream, by the way. Um, so oh, we've g- talked about submarines. We've talked about the the Netherlands. I think I, I think you and I both agree that the real thing here is like just... We get it that some people will be upset that they have, you know, right now the, the Friesland is in the Pan-European tree along with the Smallen and the Holland, right? Which is a destroyer. The, the, the Pan-Europeans only have destroyers. So, Correct. needless Currently. to say, yeah, needless to say, people will be like, hey, bro, don't take my Friesland away. I get that. It just... Uh, I don't know.
1: But the other thing... I mean, you maybe, could. There's maybe, so, there's so many like, things like yeah.
0: Maybe make it the only ship in the game that can literally be used
1: interchangeably. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's exactly one of the suggestions. That you know, one time, just every now and then, let us feel like we're getting away with something. And if you think about it, with a tier 10 ship, it, it's something somebody had to work hard or pay money to get to anyway. Like, mm-hmm. you either had to grind up that tier 10 line. Or they had to convert XP to free XP, which eventually somewhere turns into they they paid some dollars and put some time into the game. Yep. I would like to see something more rewarding instead of always things seem to go the other direction. Just like the achievements no longer giving flags, so now okay. you get the daily missions. Oh, but you get your seven hundred and fifty free XP every day. Like that's that's an exchange for the you know, forty to hundred flags you used to earn in a day if you played a handful of games and were decent at at, at warships. so Yeah. But You mentioned your stream. I did. Can we talk about that?
0: Yeah, can we? It's been uh it's been over a year since my stream uh started. I started in April of twenty twenty during the height of the uh, pandemic and quite frankly, um yeah I've 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 just recently made Twitch partner those of you who don't congratulations. know congratulations thank you it, it, it offers me a number of cool things that go along with it um i uh yeah i, I guess i guess if i i i've had some really cool things happen over the last year and, and i want to just start by saying thank you to every single one of you who has taken time to come watch me on my stream uh or has listened to this podcast because um the this podcast plus streaming cots and streaming worships in general has actually opened up opportunities for me that would not have existed otherwise um i'm sure i've mentioned it before that i was a bartender for like the last 10 11 years in los angeles and um uh when covid struck i lost that job needless to say because i would have been a super spreader probably (laughs) but um
1: you we know, still think you're super boxy. Ah, oh,
0: super spreader is the it's the newest <laughs> I'm, porn yeah. genre or something. <laughs> yuck. My mom's not gonna like that con- like that joke. Um. So anyway, I I made Twitch partner. Um, and and I actually even was able to. I think I can talk about this now without going into particulars. But because of the sort of notoriety that I have accumulated from streaming and from uh, casting things like Cots and from doing this podcast, I got to become a community contributor, a Twitch partner, and then I even applied for and went through the interview process for Wargaming itself. Um, I actually applied and had a long interview process with Wargaming EU, which is based out of Prague. I got to meet via Zoom. Um, Most of the folks that work there, they are very, very nice people. Um, Unfortunately, that job did not work out as, you know, based off my relationship and living situation here, I just can't realistically... What's the commute
1: LA to to Prague? It's
0: about 11 hours by airplane. I think it's about 238 by bicycle.
1: So if if there is no... If they give you a private jet so you didn't have security... Mm -hmm. You could fly back and forth. I mean, two hours a day to sleep and work and all that. I don't, I don't understand why you couldn't do that.
0: Hell yeah, brother! Like I, I've been, <laughs> I've been inside for the last year and a half for the most part. There's quite a bit I do for a job right now, but um, we we just feel like going
1: to start listening now. I know late
0: lights like Texas, Texas, come to Texas.
1: So um, let me ask you this: the the process, and you and I had some conversations along the way, and. Mm-hmm what did you learn from the process of interviewing for that well i i learned an enormous amount about
0: transferring transferring career fields because again i've i've been a bartender and a, and a wannabe actor here in los angeles for 12 years and um there's a certain set of skills that i've acquired from from doing that but having to actually think about well okay what does my resume look like if i'm changing fields and that was actually incredibly intimidating. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have had a lot of, a number of friends who were willing to weigh in on it yourself. Uh, Torino, whom you mentioned earlier. Um, my two co-commanders at TNG, Antonius Jones and, and Late Light, who will never hear this. Uh, or my thanks because they don't listen to the podcast and that's their fault. They're never going to hear me say thank you because uh, they should listen to the podcast. Uh, Sinpacks, the prodigal, the prodigal host Sinpacks. He also was extraordinarily helpful, um, cable guy. Your your other clanmate, cable guy, and a whole bunch of other people who reached out and just said, "Hey, you know, if you have questions about these sort of things, please let me know." Um, so thank you to everybody who was willing to do that. Um, but it also taught me that, hey man, like, there's a, there's a bright world of opportunities out there. And you, it, when when an opportunity to do something that you enjoy, like make a podcast about a game you like, comes up, like, do it, do it. And not only that, but try hard at it. I've learned an enormous amount about production that went hand-in-hand hand with Twitch um, from doing this because I, I genuinely wanted it to be better. And I wanted to get better at the game because I wanted to be able to be on the podcast talking with the 07s, the KSCs, the guys shoes, you know, um, the guys from Smile, the the, the cots, round tables. I wanted, to, I wanted to know what I was talking about so that I could keep talking to all of you about this in a manner that wasn't embarrassing. Um, and that legitimately resulted in improving my game um improving my clan because of that <laughs> uh and then I, w- I would like to think better and better podcasts and better and better streams so um that's sort of it uh, in regards to that like I just thought you all might want to know um you know sort of what's come from that um but now i find myself in a position where i, I really am looking at other jobs and uh I've even been looking for other jobs that are more local, like Los Angeles or, you know, even in neighboring states, perhaps, um, with regards to, you know, game industry stuff. And I'll be honest, it's, it's very intimidating because, uh, you know, my game expertise is pretty highly fixated on World of Warships right now as that's where most of my time for games has gone to. Um, so it's been... A, once again, intimidating looking at other game companies and sort of going, well, hey, I'd, I'd like to do something similar. How can I do that? And going, well, I know very little about this game. <laughs> how, did, how, well, how much of that translates and how much doesn't? So
1: that's been well, an intimidating one of the things, thing. One of the things when you told me early on that you were applying for that job, or at least were interested in that job and going through the interviews... And I think the idea of moving to Europe was always something that was going to be an obstacle, whether it was one that would cause you not the job not to work out or whether it would be an obstacle you would have to make life decisions based on and take the job. One of the things that I've mentioned to you that you may remember is, like, view this as a learning process. Yeah. Like, like like whether you think it's going to work out or whether you want it to work out, uh go through it and try to learn as much as you can through it because it's going to help you. So I hope it sounds like you have learned quite a bit maybe about yourself and about the process. And I'm confident that going forward, whether it's for another job in the game industry or it's some other job that is going to require an interview process like that, you've been able to learn some things through it and it'll help set you up for next time and, and help you find something that is something hopefully that you enjoy they do trade you money for your time fyi when you work oh really that's that's, that's part of the deal yeah Oh, i um, wish i'd known that for those of us who don't enjoy as much what we do as uh it might have been for you to be a community manager type for a video game company they do trade you money um but <laughs> yeah <it'll> be, <laughs> that, you know hopefully yeah. that'll be a, a positive experience for you and you know i look at your stream i don't always watch the entire thing i usually pop in what? for a while each day okay so don't tell anybody on twitch this but generally i put it on my computer and it stays on the whole time you're <laughs> up whether i'm there or not that's so nice I of physically you though. Pop in
0: that's so nice of you I and mean, anyone else who does that by the way like i don't know if you guys realize how helpful that is to a streamer because it keeps their it keeps their view numbers up, but it keeps their their view count up, which means as your view count goes up, you become you go higher and higher in the uh, in the browsing suggested, suggested and all that. yeah. yeah. so anyone who has the wherewithal to do that, thank you. and I, I, I could speak for absolutely any streamer out there that if you are someone who likes to just watch for three to five minutes and then whatever, I'm gonna go get lunch or I'm gonna go to the gym or whatever. if you leave it on,
1: it's so helpful. So thank you to all of you who do that. Except Yeah, right no, I <laughs> leave it on. I leave the sound on. I think sound counts or something too, doesn't it? I, it might. I have heard whispers, but I've never heard that confirmed. So so I leave it. Yeah, but the timing of when you stream is generally about the time when my wife gets home from work. I often work from home. So it's usually time that I'm about ready to get dinner, spending time with her. So I've, I've been at the computer all day. Depending on the evening, I may stick around for a while or I may come back to it or whatever. But I've really enjoy it when I watch it. I've played with you a handful of times on stream, chatted yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. Um one of the things that I've been happy and proud of you is the numbers can have continued to grow. Like the the hump that I see a lot of people struggle over where you're trying to get from a handful of viewers to, you know, from a dozen or two at the most to get up over a <laughs> hundred it feels like lately, every time I get on, you're you have you know eighty, a hundred, hundred and forty viewers, and that's without a big raid. Where it used to, you know, obviously a lot of the Twitch guys, and I know you've mentioned a lot of the guys who have helped you out and, and given you raids and things like that. But the good job that you and Oscons do with COTS, mm-hmm. the exposure that that gave you guys, and I I just think you're. An enjoyable person to be around and when you're watching somebody on twitch it feels like you're hanging out with that person if (laughs) if they're good at it so there's yeah everybody has their niche or who they're looking to find you know who they want their audience to be and there's definitely people who are very angry all the time there's definitely people who are very hyper aggressive and and some who are confident borderline arrogant like there's all different personalities that do it and some people watch for different reasons but i find if I want to see some pretty decent... Like, good play, but also have kind of a relaxed, good time, you do you do some fun things on your stream. You know what I'm doing, and I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I'm saving up all my bits. I want to be hero for a day someday. <laughs> you want to save all the channel points? Yeah, yeah, I want to be hero, hero of the for day. For those of you
0: who don't know, if you it managed to save up 100,000 channel points on my channel, which, by the way, I think three or four people have actually done now. Commander Jam, I'm looking at you. Um... You can actually exchange them to be the hero for the day, and heroes get to choose whatever boat Bogsy wants, or whatever boat they want Bogsy to play all day long, which means, well, this might be a good way to circle back to things I'm frustrated about, and you can I'd love for you to weigh in on this, too, but you could make me play my favorite boats, like the Kansas, the Fenyang, the Flandre, or the Tiger 59. And speaking of <laughs> things that didn't get vetted properly before released, the Tiger 59 is absolutely infuriating to play. Have you played it?
1: That may be the straw that broke my camel back. Like, you know, I've talked about having all the ships, Mm -hmm. and except for the two Alpha and Beta ships that we mentioned earlier today, I believe until the Tiger 59 came on, and after you generously uh, gifted me the Tier 2 Brazilian ship, that I had every other boat. Mm-hmm. Literally every other boat in the game. And I haven't bought the Tiger 59. I refuse. <sighs> Brother, it's... It's rough. I mean... For those of
0: you who don't have the Tiger 59, it's a it's a boat from 1959, and yet it has...
1: Uh, it has just, like, the worst DPM. The AM. worst of everything.
0: Yeah, it's just... It's just garbage. It sort of follows the Belfast 43... Um, notion of poor dpm but high utility in the sense that it has smoke it has uh it has smoke and it has radar and hydro but at the same time who cares and it has a heel which is unusual for a tier 8 cruiser in general but but i mean it the problem with it is that or does it have a heel i don't know it might not have a heel actually now that i'm thinking about it um the problem is that it has two guns four barrels total they are Minotaur guns, but there's two of them, as opposed to the five that the Minotaur has. It's, it has not only two-fifths of the gun power of a Minotaur, but it has a lower rate of fire by almost half. It's about, it has 60% of the per-gun DPM, I believe. Its DPM is just atrocious. And not only that, it's AP only, and it's not remarkably accurate so what do you do like it i feel like i'm i feel like when i'm firing in the in the in the uh in the tiger 59 i feel like i'm just throwing slaps at somebody hoping for like a ko it's like you're never gonna ko someone with a slap you need to punch them
1: i don't know you watch some of those uh videos of guys slapping each other on the internet
0: yeah, it was called the Mayweather versus Paul fight, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch that? No, I saw the headline. I don't don't care. All of that high level fighting to me, I just don't care. It's also contrived anymore. But one quick thing before I know we're running into time limit things here, but talking about twitch and you have jokingly had your hot tub streams lately yes because of all the notoriety of of hot tubs on twitch and also they split out the category because for those of you who watch any twitch there is a just chatting section that used to be general variety streamers and it slowly transitioned to i don't know 40 to 60 percent was uh, young women in their bikinis at the beach or in hot tubs or whatever. A couple Twitch of large men. too. A couple of large Yeah, men. yeah. Yeah. Gets shot up for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> late light. late um, light. so so and they Twitch has very strict dress and nudity rules, like it wasn't anything untoward happening, but it was you know I don't know why people watch that. Like but people did. So they broke those into their own category. I don't know, a week ago, two weeks ago. You know what's been funny is I browse around on Twitch, and I've clicked on that category a time or two in mm-hmm. the last few weeks, and you know what has been the number one viewed uh, pool, hot tub, beach stream every single time? Amaranth? Hey, no, much better. Much better. So Dare I if ask? You, every single time... It has been these otters in this oh! mammal refuge. Like it's a, yeah. it's a, it's some refuge where they take, I don't know. I assume, I had to look it up, but I assume they take like otters whose mother's abandoned them or was in a place where they got stuck or they're injured and they heal them. And so it's just this pool with these otters swimming back and forth. And then a, it, somewhere else in the top 15 or 20, and there's this farm in Germany that has a nice huge pool big in-ground pool and it has like 30 dogs just swimming around in the pool. That's so funny. And that, that uh, those are probably the only two worthwhile uh, streams that you'll see in the hot tubs and beach section.
0: Could very well be. I have actually looked at some of them just to see uh, what they do so I get ideas for my own parody. Those of you who don't okay, know my stream, I do actually have a I, I made a, took a gif of a hot tub and made it so that it looks like I'm sitting in the hot tub. Um, that's just a stupid joke. But it, someone in my stream actually described it properly. I think it was Kevin, actually from KSD. Kevin called it a parasocial relationship. We were trying to say, like, "Well, what's the relationship there?" He said parasocial, and of course that immediately draws the parallel to parasitic, and we got into this whole discussion about you know the etymology of the words. Um, but para means in, in Latin. Yeah, para it's means one side. To, yeah. Para means next to uh, or adjacent to. Social, of course, means social. So it's not quite a social relationship. It's something that's next to or approaching a social relationship, but it's not actually a relationship. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a very base thing. Where, hey, if you throw a whole bunch of money at me, I will, in front of you and in front of all these other people you don't know, I will put your name, your fake name, on a whiteboard, for example, or on my thigh, or on my chest, or on my forehead, depending on how much money. And is that sort of cynical? Yes. And I think that's why so many people get so... So tilted about it. Because it's so brazenly cynical. Whereas, like... You know... like what I have, to, I have to think about, like, well, what do I do? I play a game. And I try to entertain you with words. And, you know, I don't... I don't have any... Hey! If you throw money at me, I'll write your name on my forehead. I don't have th- any things like
1: that, but... um um, no, it's odd because there's, it's basically transitioned. It used to be, in my mind, that was the type of relationship that you had with your drive-time radio people 30, 40 years ago. Oh, right? 50 years yeah, because you're a radio guy. You know, yeah, so like, I, I listen to sports radio and you know some of the podcasts and things, and you listen to these people, and you begin to learn about them as a person like the, the ones who do a good job of dropping some personal things in as they discuss whatever subject they're going And So it, to me, it's not like how you would interact with a huge celebrity, but somebody that you get personal content from. You right. know, uh, radio is a good example. And then if you were to meet that person, you like know all about their life, right? Mm-hmm. And they just know that you listen to them. And you may feel like you're friends, but it's really very one-sided. And I think Twitch and especially those types of streams just take that to like the furthest degree possible because (laughs) whether those guys are really like simping after them or whatever it's so one-sided you know it's, it's some one person has so much energy and interest and time and everything knowing about the other person or listening to him or consuming their content and I guess Twitch lets you have a little bit of chat, but if some of these shows where it's thousands and thousands of viewers, only a few people are they really going to recognize, right? Like, I drop yeah. into your chat, and you have usually, like I said, 100, 120 people watching, but I can count on the same 10, 15, 20 guys that are there chatting, and, like, you do have some real interaction with them. Yeah, You hear that, Kira? Yeah. <laughs> kira I wasn't way. gonna say his name yeah kira you know kira is one of them some of you know you have some other folks R- righteous fury and other people that i see a lot mm-hmm. and so then there can be a little give and take but some of these other ones it's completely one-sided but we've gotten way off track but yeah that's, that's okay. i think parasocial is a great way to describe it yes yeah. I, I i would encourage feel. this because
0: it there's always the danger of like when you, you know, the, these, these hot tub streams are overwhelmingly female, right? Um, they're overwhelmingly female. And so there is always a danger when it comes to criticizing them that sort of casual or unthought-out criticism of them risks being um, sexist. And I think that's legit. I think that's a legitimate concern because these women, especially the ones that are successful, are hyper-successful at it. And, like... If nothing else, that should earn your respect. I mean, n- most people, I would argue, who stream are doing it for the purpose of making a little money. Even if it's just to sort of dip your feet in the water and figure out, <laughs> pun intended, um, and sort of just see how easy it is to do so or how not easy, it's difficult. And so the fact that these women have become so successful at it, I mean, should be in it's of itself something that you have respect for, because it was successful. It was a successful business venture. Now, if you say to yourself, "Well, it's it's very cynical, it's it's predatory," okay, fair enough. But like, cigarettes are a successful predatory business venture. It's something. It's your choice. You you choose to smoke them. Although cigarettes arguably give you a chemical addiction, but I think that it could be argued that you know a, a lot of what I think are these. I don't have the demographics in front of me. I think a lot of what it is is it's. It's men on the internet who they just want they want to see a smile and that sort of enticing voice from an attractive woman and they don't either don't want to or don't know how to earn something like that in the world so they throw some money at someone and they get a fantasy and that's what someone was describing in my chat which was this is a fantasy and the reward is that look, or that voice, or that "oh, thank you," or whatever it is, so they're technically
1: providing a service as well. And hey, hey, I I opened this podcast by saying how we or we agreed. I said it, but we agreed. We love it when people call out in chat that they mentioned they knew the podcast, right? Yeah, it's the dopamine hit of somebody recognized me. Hey, but it's taken exactly to a right. very weird and twisted place. In some of those cases, and like you said, for even for any of those people to stand out enough to make a living or make a lot of money on it, they had to do some some things very well. Or yeah. everybody would be able to do it. That's exactly right. There is a skill involved to it. So
0: my, I guess my request to everybody who's listening, who gives a shit, is it's really easy to reactively denigrate something like that, right? Ah, whatever. They're just an e-girl. You know, why don't they just go off and finally do porn or something like that it's like well but they're not but they're not doing something like that they're doing something else and they've done extraordinarily well at it even though that seems like it's hard to do so do acknowledge like respect the things that are worth respect before you form your argument against it is is what i would encourage everybody to do um you know give everything it's fair due. that's 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 all i suppose
1: and give Bogsy time on Twitch more than it's fair to. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, go to Twitch, look at Warships, go click on Bogsy time, and he doesn't even care if you walk away.
0: I, I really I really should pitch my stream more often on, on the podcast, shouldn't I? I don't know why I don't. I assume it's because the same people who watch the stream are probably people who listen to the podcast. <laughs> so, well, I, I think that's about it for me, man. Was there anything else you wanted to go over before... Uh before we we cut it and move on to our real lives.
1: No, I, this has been fun. It's always nice hanging out, and chatting with you. Um, we should title this uh, the interview with Late Light. I believe that would be the appropriate way to title
0: this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, so so the. Eventually, we'll do. We'll finally do one where we just talk about stuff on un- warships related. And when we do, you heard it here first. Borla's going to talk about the time he literally cracked a motorcycle helmet in half. I'll talk about the time when I sniffed out my family in Florence like a bloodhound. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So let's do that in the next, you know, in the next two or three episodes, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it'll be a good time. Let's do it.
0: Cool, man. Okay, well, uh, we have no plugs this time, um, other than if you're out there playing clan battles, good luck. Uh, enjoy trying some new comps now that the Petro is limited. And, uh, don't buy the Tiger 59 unless you really, really like to try hard at things that are difficult. And, um... Oh, we never even talked about the Issei, did we? Ah, we'll do it next time. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we gotta
1: talk about those triple
0: Issei divs soon. Uh, I don't know who would do that. Only a degenerate
1: would do a triple Issei div. Dummy degenerates is right. TNG degenerates, Jesus.
0: Okay, well, um as always folks we appreciate the fact that you listen so um without further ado this has been get to know world of warships and we'll see you next time